Shorty, welcome back. Welcome back to Deep Cover Podcast. It's Mike, joined by Carrie and Chris, as usual. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Ravens' 53-man roster. Uh, Cut-down day uh, is this Saturday. Uh, not sure what time, but it's on Saturday. And we each have put together our predictions, and we're going to go through the roster position by position, uh, you know, really break it down, and and you know, I, I think we're going to have some some interesting discussion because I got a feeling we're gonna we're gonna have some differences that um, where we might even surprise each other. Um, so we'll see how all that goes. But before we get into it, let me touch base with the guys. I'll start with Kerry. How you doing, man? Doing all right, man. Uh, just online peeping out some Browns gear, you know, just <laughs> for the season. Get on the bus, man. Get on the bus, get on the bandwagon. There's room. You know, we just you just saw my man Andrew Barry with the with the Eric DeCosta special, the fifth round pick, uh, for Ronnie Harrison, the safety from Jacksonville. So, you know, we there's time. There's still time. So <laughs> I don't I don't you you're gonna have to make room because you're gonna have like a split closet of like Browns gear and Steelers gear. So you're gonna you're gonna have to make room in the closet. Yes, make full closet, man. <laughs> Chris. I can't. I can't even say it like with a straight face. Chris, what what's going on, man? How, how you been? I'm good, man. I'm uh, just ready for the season to start. We're a week away, so I'm just ready to get get into it. Yeah, yeah. What's what's what, you know? You hear so many uh, clips of of Ray Lewis and things that he would say before games or whatever. And there's always that one whenever we're like ready for something, like the anticipation. I, there's one where he was like. You know, the time for all that talk, all that talking is over, right? It's over now, right? It's time, it's time to go. It's time to show, uh, you know, what you're all about out here on the field. And we're kind of, we're, we're there, you know, like you, you just reminded me this, next week, this time next week, there'll be NFL football on TV. Yep. So uh, it, it's right there. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to focus in on the Ravens tonight. Um, you know, we've always said we're a Ravens focused kind of podcast, but we talk about the whole NFL. We talk about other sports. We talk about life. But this one's going to be pretty heavily Ravens focused because we're talking about the roster. So, um, you know, that that is what it is. So I'm just going to kind of take off the positions. We'll go around to each one of us um, to see, you know, where we might have differences, obviously, on um, kind of the, the, the things uh, that we feel are locks. We're not going to spend a ton of time on that, right? There's there's no need to have a 10-minute discussion about saying Lamar Jackson is on the 53. <laughs> so we're not going to spend a lot of time on on locks like that. But uh, where we where we have, you know, maybe some differences or just, you know, maybe something that might seem like it kind of goes against the norm, uh, we'll dive into that a little, a little bit. But so we'll start with offense. We'll start with quarterback. Uh, Obviously, I've got Lamar Jackson. I've got RG3. Uh, I'm keeping three on the 53 roster. And my third quarterback is Tyler Hunt. Kerry, who you got? So my third is uh, Trace McSorley. Uh, For me, it just comes down to if it's close, which guy do I feel like can pass through waivers? And so of the two... uh, Trace McSorley kind of got some of those um, Taysom Hill type buzz type vibes when he got drafted. And I think that's enough to uh, have someone trick themselves into thinking they they can 
utilize him in that fashion. And, you know, we know in this case, all it takes is one team. So I feel like the goal would be to have all four guys around and one on the practice squad. So I feel like Huntley is the guy that could probably more safely pass uh, through waivers. So that, that was my kind of reasoning for that. Well, and that, that's why going back to our mock draft special, that's why you played the role of Eric DaCosta. You know, you've you, you got the vision. You understand <laughs> the <laughs> nuance of how these decisions need to be made because I've got Trace on the practice squad, but I didn't think about it in the way you just explained it, which if you have to look at the two guys, you know, who do you think has a better chance of getting two waivers? And I, I agree with you. It would probably be Huntley of the two. I'm not changing my pick, but um, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But let's go to Chris. Chris, who do you have? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I have, uh, you know, Lamar, RG3, and in the third quarterback, I went with Huntley. Um, just from the, the practice reports, uh, we see that, you know, Trace McSorley has been reported that his, his accuracy has been a big issue during camp. Uh, even though he does have a better command of the offense, uh, that he's still showing some, some accuracy issues. And uh We've been reading some good things about Tyler Huntley, and and he's a guy that that goes back, you know, with Lamar and and uh, Hollywood, uh, back to Florida in the Pee Wee days, where where he played in the same league as those guys. So there's already some camaraderie there, which you know it isn't the whole thing, but we know with this Raven squad, you know they like to to, to have those those kind of guys who, who who show that that rapport that they they're team first guys. Not saying that Trace isn't, but uh, if you know, what Huntley's been doing, if his accuracy has been better during camp and, you know, he's showing leadership qualities as well, uh, I, I think it, that might put him over the top. But I think what Kerry said is a good point, too, where, you know, it's a copycat league. So all these teams are trying to find their 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 next case of mill. So uh, I could definitely see teams wanting to snatch McSorley up as well, too. Yeah, I mean, when you, you, you look at, the sort of roster management um, argument that Kerry made, a very strong one. You look at McSorley having a year in the system, obviously he has an advantage from that standpoint. Um, but I'm drinking, like, like I'm drinking the training camp reports. I'm drinking the, cr- <laughs> the training camp Kool-Aid <laughs> in terms of those <laughs> reports about Huntley, you know, sort of looking a little better, Trace really struggling with his accuracy, because I really felt like a, some of that was the case last year, too, in camp. But in the preseason, he was just a gamer. You know, he got in those preseason games and wasn't always pretty, but he made enough plays. And he just found ways to move the offense. And, and you know, whether it was a touchdown or a field goal, you know, I don't know that he let him on a ton of touchdown drives. But he moved the offense, and they were able to generate some points. And he just had that gamer quality. But if it was only based on practice, I I, I don't know, you know, if if um, you'd come away kind of with the same feeling that you had after the preseason game. So I'm thinking without the preseason games this year, we don't get to see that gamer sort of element of his game. And it's all just based on the practices and the scrimmages. And it just sounds like from, you know, the beat writer reports out there that Huntley has been the more consistent of the two. But. And then that's the unfortunate part about this is is guys like I, I was watching Hard Knocks and uh, the and our coach Anthony Lynn was was saying how if they didn't have preseason games, they probably would have cut Austin Eckler a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was in a preseason game where they saw what he can do. 
but he in, in camp he wasn't really showing anything or, or sticking out in any way. But in in the game they said, oh wow, you know, let's let's give this guy a try. And unfortunately this year, you know, there's they're going to be some talented guys that just aren't going to be able to show what they can do in a real game situation, like you said. And that could be the thing that actually works against Huntley, even though, you know, like we said, the reports seem to indicate he's been more consistent. Um, you would want to see both of those guys, Huntley and McSorley, in game situations in the preseason and, and see, OK, well, we've seen we've seen Huntley in practice, but let's see what he does in a game. If you're not going to get the opportunity to see that, though. So that actually could work against him a little bit. But anyway. Um, you know, we, we, we all have three quarterbacks on the active roster, just, you know, a little bit of a different composition. And, um, if you're, if you're having to place a bet on this, on predicting the roster, you probably, you know, smarter going with Kerry <laughs> and, and uh, you probably go make some money if you, if you follow, uh, if you follow his predictions. Cause you know, he, he's, he's thinking about it from that roster management standpoint, which is, is strong. It's real strong. Uh, so let's move to running back. I don't think this is gonna gonna be a lengthy discussion at all. I think we all have four. Um, you know, we know the obvious ones. We've got, I've got Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and I have Justice Hill on on the fifty three. Uh, what about you, Kerry? Uh, yep, same four for me. Chris, make that three trifecta. I got the same four. There you go. So, like I said, I didn't think that that was gonna be. Uh, you know, any kind of lengthy thing to talk about. I guess the one question I will pose to both of you, did you give any consideration to only going with three running backs and looking at adding, um, you know, a player at a different position? Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Um, it wasn't even a question to me um, because, you know, all four of these guys are, are extremely talented. And, you know, Justice Hill, if, if they didn't draft J.K. Dobbins, a lot of people would be clamoring for Justice Hill right now and be be excited about what kind of breakthrough he could have this season. So to cut a guy that that has that kind of that kind of talent and and just from what he showed just in that Steelers game as you know as the season went on and then later uh, the final game of the season against the Steelers, you saw a completely different player from game one to game six game uh, seventeen. So. I, I, to me, just cutting any of those guys, it would just, it wouldn't make a ton of sense to me. And you know, with running backs, you always have injuries, and you know, Mark Ingram's getting older, and you, it, that's just a position where you, you just don't know what's going to happen from snap to snap. I mean, it, it's like that for every position, but running back especially, it's just you don't know what's going to happen. And as much as this team runs, you just, you need as many guys as you can have. I agree. I agree. Let me ask you this last part. Uh, I should have made this part of the initial question because I'm going to let Kerry have a chance to answer both. Do you foresee all four being active on every game day? Now that I don't see. Um, I I could see Justice Hill probably being the inactive guy, uh, seeing how, how, because I would say, I I don't think he he and uh, JK are the same type of player, but what Justice Hill can do, J.K. Dobbins can do. And then Gus Edwards, he's just a unique guy just from a, you know, physical standpoint. He's, you know, that big bruiser. So I I would definitely see Justice Hill as the guy that, you know, that they would probably have to leave inactive sometimes on game day. 
Yeah, I'll, Gus is definitely the, the straight no chaser uh, type running style. <laughs> uh, so, Carrie, let me let me uh, let me get your your thoughts. So, it's two part question. Uh, one, did you consider going with three running backs uh, so that you could get a player in a different position? And two, do you foresee all four running backs being active um, through all sixteen weeks? So, first, no, I didn't consider. Um going with three uh, running backs. I just feel like Justice Hill is too talented a dude to cut. Um, and he has uh, value because he can return kicks. Um, he's also a threat as a receiver out of the backfield. And he also has that uh, that scheme touch threat kind of element to him. I think you can see them move him around and, you know, do some different things. I think you saw – some of that kind of come into fruition in that in that Titans game when they were kind of playing from behind, just the kind of uh, capability he has. And then um, as far as um, him being active, I do think there's a pretty good chance he could, he would be active a lot because I think uh, he's probably the the starting kick returner right now. I would think. I mean, there's probably some guys that they can. Uh, stick back there that will, uh, you know, maybe give you some kind of dual um, value, uh, you know, as far as being able to play other positions and do other things. But I would think as far as a threat, he's probably the biggest threat as a, a, a kick returner. So I think that that kind of is just going to depend on roster makeup, you know, how uh, how many receivers do they keep, you know, that six receiver. Um, is that a guy that, you know, they – trust like a Chris Moore who, um, you know, can cover kicks, but he can also, you know, be that returner. So I, I think it'll probably depend a lot on roster makeup, but, you know, I, I think he, you know, has a pretty fair shot to be active. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I, I think there's, there's, it's hard to put a percentage on it. I'll, I'll say it's a better than 65% chance that I think all four of those guys could could be active on a pretty regular basis, if not in every game, because of the points that, that both of you guys just mentioned. Um, two of those four guys, and, and, and we'll see what they end up doing with Dobbins in this regard, but Gus and, and Justice Hill both played on special teams last year. Like you mentioned, Gus returned kicks. I'm sorry, not Gus. Justice returned kicks. Um, I think he had 43 of them last year and, and opened the season as their starting kick returner. So um, and he also played uh, on some of the coverage units um, as, as did Gus. Gus played on some coverage units as well, too. So I think the fact that both of those guys not just can play on special teams, but did play on special teams um, gives them a shot to be active um, on game day on a pretty regular basis. I, I, I have a question. Um, so is the. Because I know they they switched up some numbers for things. So, what is the day the day um I mean the game day active number now? Did that increase? That's a good question. <laughs> I actually don't know. Uh, I actually don't know the answer to that. I know you know we because we, we talked about this the other day about some of the changes to the practice squad. Obviously, that's up from eight to sixteen, and then there's some some other kind of unique rules around how you can protect guys on on, on the practice squad. But the actual game day uh, roster, um, I don't know if those rules have changed. Is it, is it still 53 or not? I'm actually looking right now. Uh, it looks like, if this is correct, it could be 53, 54, or 55. Um, 
depending on whether the team made use of one of the two, one, one or two possible practice squad elevations that week. Okay. I do remember that. I remember um, Harbaugh talking about that. They have the option now to call two guys up from the practice squad in a week, whereas before, you know, it was one. So um, it, it looks like it could be as many as 55 guys active on game day. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So looks like that's driven by, you know, how many you call up from the practice squad that week. And obviously there'll be, you know, some some maneuvering that goes into those decisions, uh, I would imagine, on a weekly basis. So, yeah, that that's that's a good point, man. I'm glad you raised that. I'm glad we actually looked to see what that was, because that that could have an impact on on that question that we just tried to answer. Um so let's move fullback. Again, this should be very short. Pat Ricard for me. Does anybody have anything different? No. Nope. Okay. Move on. Pull <laughs> one out for all the all the Steiner people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he 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 didn't make it to camp, right? I don't think no, he made I don't it. Think to he camp. made it. Nope. Yeah. So and I I didn't follow up to see if he landed somewhere else or not. I probably should have. But um, yeah, definitely pour one out for him. Um, We'll move on to wide receiver and might be a little discussion here, but I'll I'll go through mine. Uh, I think these are the ones that we probably all agree on. Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, and I have Chris Moore on uh, as my sixth wide receiver. Uh, Who you got, Kerry? So I have those top five. I think that'll probably be pretty consensus, but I kind of – um, kind of switched it up a little bit, and I just went with those five. I didn't okay. like to keep a six receiver. Okay, okay, the five wide receiver. I, I don't think you're gonna be alone on that. I've, I've heard a lot of a lot of talk about people who've been trying to predict the roster say that you know five wide receiver uh, is is probably a, a direction they want to go in. What about you, Chris? Who do you have? Um, I have uh, Hollywood, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay, and James Prochet. I just went with five, too. Okay. See, I'm in the minority on that one. Uh, but I think you guys both know why I have Chris Moore. <laughs> so one of those guys that, uh, of course, I got, I've got the special team soft spot. So anybody who plays on special teams, and he's not just anybody who plays on special teams. He's actually one of the better special teams players, not just on their team, but I'd argue in the league, uh, particularly as a gunner. And I think sometimes he's been a little quieter on special teams in the last year or so. But I think we forget how he originally made his bones and scoop and score more. So, you know, he was a guy who was always around, you know, the action on special teams and and really part of of several big plays. So uh, I think he's got a proven track record there. And, you know, I know, you know, there's some younger guys, Duvernay, Prochet, I think will both see see time on special teams. Um, they've already talked about Prochet, uh, sort of, you know, the punt returner job has sort of been his to lose uh, as they've gone through practice. And I think you can see DuVernay uh, on some of the coverage units. I think you can even see DuVernay returning some kicks as well. He, uh, I think I mentioned on one of our other pods that his his running style reminds me a lot of uh, Brian Mitchell, old, old returner for the, uh, the Washington team, just like straight ahead, no nonsense, running through guys. Uh, and he was, he was, you know, probably one of the better uh, kick returners. He also returned punts, but just, you know, one of the better return men of all time. Uh, and I, I could see DuVernay maybe returning kicks in that way. But 
I still feel like Moore, you know, has that pedigree, has that proven track record on special teams, and we know how John Harbaugh values special teams. So I, I think it would be hard for him to uh, to not have Chris on the roster. But you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, tight end again. I don't know that there'll be super long discussion on this, but I think there'll be a little bit because I only have two. I only have Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews. Who do you have, Kerry? Uh, so I have Boyle and Andrews, of course, and then I just totally um, cherry-picked this last one because I, I saw uh, Jeff Drebeck, uh tweet that he thought that Jarrell Adams had the upper hand as far as tight end three. So I'm like, well, I haven't seen any of these guys really, so it's like, who the hell knows? So I'm going to go with him. <laughs> Good as reason as any. Uh, what about you, Chris? Who do you have at tight end? Uh, I'm, I'm the same with Kerry. Um, I I went with Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle. You know, those are the two guys that are cemented in their roles. And uh, I probably I would have went with Eli Wolf if he didn't get injured. But since he got injured, um, I decided to just go with Jarrell Adams. Uh, he's a guy that's been around the league for a few seasons now, so I, I think they that they'll they'll go in that direction. Yeah, I, I have been in the Jarrell Adams streets on Twitter, <laughs> and it's kind of surprising that he didn't end up making my final 53 because my initial pass at this, I did have him. I did have three tight ends, and I had Chris Moore off. But then, you know, when it was time to kind of finalize it before we started recording, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to leave Chris Moore off. But uh, I, I have, like I said, I, I've kind of I've kind of been a, a little bit of an Adams truther uh, over the other guys, over Wolf, uh, even, you know, over Scarf, even though there's kind of a weird thing that happened with Scarf. Right. I'm not really even sure what happened, but some of the local guys, local uh, B guys talked about them. Uh, and it was just this this uh, probably was last week or the last couple of days but it was very recent where they talked about they were going to release Scarf. But yeah. then um, Wolf got injured in a practice that same day, and then they called Scarf back and was like, no, no, you're, you're, we're not going to release you. <laughs> they said, so, hey, man, hey, man, we were just playing. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> that wasn't right. That wasn't right for us to play like that. But it it, it did, you know, really kind of you know, add a little bit of fuel, I thought, to to that, you know, you know me being kind of that Jarrell Adams trooper because I said, look, they had an opportunity to release either one of those guys, right? They were going to release one. Right. Obviously, you know, at least that that appeared to be their intent. They chose to release Scarf. So, you know, that that may be lean towards Adams a little bit. And 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 even more so because of what you said about the injury to Wolf Chris. It's like, you know, I, I, I thought Wolf probably would have been the guy uh, who, who was given that opportunity to be a third tight end. But I think with injuries, he's just not going to be ready in yeah. time. And so I, I did lean that way. But I don't have just for the record, I don't have Adams on my 53. I did put him on the practice squad. Uh, I don't even know if he can be on the practice squad. I don't know if he if he uh, is is vested or if he's got you know too many accrued seasons to be on the practice squad. I haven't actually dug into that, so uh, that may not be uh, something that's even possible. But that's that's where I try to stash him for now. Even though you can keep some vets now, right? That's that's one of those rules too. There's, you can you can keep a certain number of vets. They don't have to um, if they if they're outside of that. Uh, a crew season thing where they can't under the old rules they, they couldn't be on the practice squad i think they allow you to keep some vets now a certain number of vets so um maybe i did think it through who knows uh let's move on to offensive line and um 
we can start with the tackles because I, I don't know that we're going to have a whole lot of difference on that. I think some of the interior stuff, we might be different. So uh, I think we all are in agreement that we've got Ron Stanley at left tackle, uh, left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. at right tackle, correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, do either of you have a reserve tackle? I'll start with you, Chris. It could be either one. It could be left or right. Um, do you have a reserve tackle? Yes, I do. Um, I just so the way I, I look at it is, I feel like I'll just put Tyree Phillips there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have him on the, on the spreadsheet that we have. I have him as a guard, but I feel like he's a guy that in a pinch that they would put him out there as a, on a, as a right tackle. So I guess he would he would you would consider him my you know backup tackle. Okay. Yeah, and see, I think for 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 the O line. That's really kind of how I look at it. I mean, I know I, I set it up on the spreadsheet by position, but I almost look at it as just a group. And then right. how many guys do you have in that group? And you're kind of going to be able to shuffle the deck however you want to shuffle the deck among, you know, whatever number of guys you end up having there. What about you, Kerry? Do you you, you have a backup tackle or do you kind of follow that same approach? Yeah, yeah, that was my same view. Um, and I think on the spreadsheet I have Phillips listed as the backup right tackle. Um, it seems like he's really getting a shot at guard, but I just think that if one of the tackles were to go down, he would be the first one they that they would call on to um, to fill in that, that tackle. Yeah, and I did the same thing. I think on the sheet I actually have him listed. I have him listed uh, under right tackle as kind of the backup, even though I think you know the first look he might get might be at guard. But um, I think we kind of were all of a similar mindset of thinking about him as a possible backup tackle, um, you know, potentially being able to, to play at either spot. And then um, I think we also, oh, maybe, maybe this was just me. Let me not say it that way. I also looked at DJ Fluger as a guy who might be able to play um, sort of a swing guard tackle kind of role. Cause I'm not a hundred percent sure he's locked up a starting spot. I don't know uh, about that. Um, but obviously he's played, some tackle uh, earlier in his career. He's drafted to play tackle and did that. So, um, yeah, so do you, I, I don't, you, you think the, the battles between uh, Fluker and Phillips right now? For right I do. Guard? Okay. I do. Yeah. I actually, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that DJ's got that, got that job locked up. I know he's a vet. I know he's got the, the, the experience, you know, playing in the league in games and that, that probably will, will give him uh, the edge, but I don't know, just, you know, kind of read the tea leaves of what's out there. I, uh, I just can't help but wonder if maybe that battle's a little closer than um, than maybe some people think. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on to some of these interior positions. And probably here, let, let's do this before we get into a breakdown of the interior positions. Let's just because I, I think that group approach is a good place to start. Let's let's just you know kind of go through our, our overall numbers for the group. So for me, for the offensive line group, I have nine players. How many do you have, Gary? Uh, yeah, but I have nine as well. All right. Chris? I have uh, eight. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to kind of start there, kind of set the baseline, because I think that's how a lot of people think of it. I think just like, hey, just give me a number. I, I don't know about who's going to be where, especially with the backups, like who, who's going to line up where. But just give me your number. Uh, I've heard some folks out there who have ten. They shall remain nameless. But, <laughs> 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 uh, but, but be that as it may. Um, all right. So. 
let's go through and this the this we will do by position even though it could flip you know we're going to start with left guard but one of these guys could be the right guard they could even be the center who knows uh but at left guard uh i've got bradley bozeman and ben bredesen who do you have chris uh same uh bozeman and bredesen all right carrie who you got uh yep same uh bozeman uh and uh bredesen i think uh there and i think like you say a lot of this could be kind of interchangeable but I think they really found something in, uh, with Bozeman at left guard last year. And I think that's an important piece to kind of, you know, keep where he is and kind of keep that continuity. Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you look at where they were training camp going into preseason last year, I wouldn't say he was the odds on a favorite to win that job. Uh, but he did and he kept it. You know, I, I think there were probably some weeks where, you know, it might have been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for him in certain games. But I think he got better as the season went on. And um, I think he still has the opportunity to to continue to improve. And Chris was just telling us the other day about how he's really kind of transformed his body and really worked uh, on himself physically. Um, and, and he's got now a whole season of experience uh, as, as a first time starter, you know, four year starter at that position. So. I think the arrow is probably pointing up for him. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about Bradley Bozeman's, uh, you know, prospects this year. So uh, I flip over the right guard. Right guard, I've got DJ Fluker. Now, this one might be controversial. I still got Ben Powers. I have Ben Powers on the roster. Um, we can talk about that a little bit if you guys want. Who would you have, Gary? Uh, yep, I have uh, Fluker and, yeah, Powers and, you know, um, Phillips, I have him on the sheet as a right tackle, but yeah. it does sound like he's getting some real buzz, you know, building that right guard. And I mean, just think about how huge that would be um, and like what kind of statement that would that would kind of make for the trajectory of his career if he's able to win that job at right guard. Um, but just looking at this, this is a team with with, with title hopes and. They really have all the incentive to kind of keep things as uh, status quo as possible and, you know, go with these experience uh, options that they have in place. But if he's talented enough to kind of push through that, that would say a lot to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, any anytime, anytime you have a rookie who can beat out uh, a vet like Fluker. I mean, how, how long has Fluker been around? Five, six, seven years? Something like yeah, that. something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, that that speaks volumes and then add in the uniqueness of this offseason, not having, you know, a full offseason program, not having any preseason games. So to come in and win that job over over that. Yeah, that would be big. Um, but let me not let me not miss you on this, Chris. Who did you have that right guard? So I have Fluker and uh, Phillips at that spot, like I said before, uh, but obviously Phillips. You know, I, I feel like he could play tackle, too, in a pinch. Um, I did leave off Ben Powers, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm not in love with the decision. But, uh, you know, it's one that had to be made, unfortunately. Uh, I, I like Ben Powers, and we were speaking about this the other day, uh, about him, his game against the Steelers. And, and you know, he, he did some things that, you know, showed out pretty well. But... Um, I'm just I, I it scares me that the, the team 
doesn't seem to be sold on him or and, and you don't really hear any any reports on on him standing out or or you know trying to to threaten for the position of starting at right guard so that that kind of scares me a little bit and I, I just I just wonder what's going on behind the scenes where the the team just it doesn't seem like that they're that enthused about him even though you know a, a lot of people in the Ravens community myself included are you know, pretty pretty excited about his his game and the the prospects of uh, him possibly developing, but um, I don't know. It just it seems like it, it, it just it might not happen. But I, I hope I'm wrong with this one. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a, a fair a fair way to assess the situation because it could just be a numbers game. You know, it might not be that they're super down on him. Uh, they might be a little down on him because, like you said, it's kind of kind of hard to, to understand um, why he hadn't been able to, to break through. I mean, that, you know, a lot of that is, is, is a function of the people that are ahead of you in those spots, but, but it's also uh, a function of you and how you perform. Um, and so when you think about some of the, the games that the Ravens were able to get up and have big leads on and, and, and basically, you know, could, could sub guys at the beginning of the fourth quarter, not just like middle or late fourth quarter. And, you know, he, he, he wasn't the guy to get that, to get those opportunities. I mean, the, the Steelers game, he played 30 snaps in that Steelers game, but that was the only game that he played. It. Um, you know, and, they, they and like, like we say, and like we say that, you know, teams show you how they feel about their players during the draft. And yeah. they brought in two guys, they drafted two guys and then they brought in a vet like uh, with DJ Fluker. So that's three guys at the guard position, and it's—I mean, that—that's that's a little bit telling, to, you know, just in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you had the UDFA um, Patrick McCarry, who ended up, you know, playing center once Mascara got hurt. But early in the season, before Scura got hurt in some of those blowout type games, McCarry was a guy coming in at guard, you know, um, when when they wanted a backup, you know, when they had taken Marshall Yonda out at that point because you know they were up. It was Makari getting snaps at right guard over over Powers. And then, you know, the thing that really got me was like the Steelers game. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he was even before the Steelers game. Just this guy, Erringer Air, or Erringer. Yeah, Parker. I, Parker. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm like, what? how is this guy getting snaps over Ben Powers? They yeah. just signed him like off the street. Yep. So that, that just, you know, there, there's something there. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think you're right. I think there's something else there. Um, let's go to center. I don't think we're going to have disagreements on this. I've got Matt Skura, Patrick, Patrick McCarry. Um, I wouldn't say it's disagreement. Yeah, I didn't, let, me, let me let me say that say it this way though before I ask you, Chris. It's not disagreement, but I think that there is still a pretty fair amount of uncertainty around whether Matt Skura will be healthy enough to start in Week One, um, and and so you could see somebody else there starting at center. And then there could be there could be a little a little mystery around that. Uh, I think you might you might automatically think it would be Patrick McCarry because, like I said, he ended up starting you know kind of down the stretch there at center after Skura got hurt in the Rams game. Um, but could be somebody else. But anyway, Chris, who who do you have in center, and and, and what do you think about uh, Skura and, and kind of where he's at in his recovery? Uh, so I'm with you with uh, Skura and, and McCarry at the center spot. Um, I Right now, I mean, it's, you know, early on, a, a few months ago, uh, Matt Skur was putting up videos of him, uh, you know, doing squats in his in his garage. And I was like, yeah, that's nice, but 
you know, I, I want to see him play football. And I, I was really, really skeptical about it. Then he came into camp, passed his conditioning test, started practicing, and, and they, they're ramping it up just a little bit more, a little bit more. And now we have Harbaugh saying that next week he'll make a decision on on, uh, on Skura and uh, his availability to play. So, honestly, I don't know what to think with, with his recovery right now. Like, I, I, want, I want to believe that he'll be back, but it's just when you just look at it on paper, what happened to his knee and the ligaments that he tore and dislocation of his kneecap, and for it to not even be a full year and, and him to be back at, at center, I, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's something I, I hope can happen, but I'm, I'm still a little bit skeptical. Yeah, I think that would be a rare, rare accomplishment. I think what he's done up to this point is pretty special yeah. to get back uh, to, to, you know, to be able to pass their conditioning test before training camp started to actually be able to work in training camp. I mean, I know he was doing uh, some individual stuff for the first few weeks before getting into team drills, but eventually he did, you know, get into team drills. So, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, like you said, when you consider the extent of his injury, um, but let me get you on this too, Kerry. Uh, who did you have at center and what do you think about Matt Skura and uh, sort of his, his, his injury recovery status? Uh, yep, I had the same two, uh, uh, Patrick Macari and Matt Skura, um, have uh, Macari penciled in as the starter uh, right now. Um, I know uh, Skura's uh, kind of uh, rise and, you know, his ability to pass the conditioning test and do these things so early kind of got us all perked up and got us all excited. But, you know, at the end of the day, is he has to play football. And so we just don't know, you know, how ready he is to play. And, you know, Makari leaves some things to be uh, desired, you know, from a, a physicality standpoint. Um, and, and not that he's a soft player, but, uh, you know, just that he's a bit of a, a, a smaller player. Um, so, you know, there's kind of issues there, but I think he's he can do more than enough to kind of get the job done. So I'm kind of in a wait and see mode with, with Skura and, um, you know, feel like Makari is a guy that can, that can, you know, at the very least give you the, you know, you know, maybe a C plus B minus kind of work at, at, at center, at least for the time being. Yeah. I think he was, he was one of those guys. And, and this happens sometimes where guys kind of get body typed into a certain position, like out of a certain, out of one position and into another position. Uh, Cause he actually played tackle in college at Cal. Um, but he just doesn't have the arm length. Uh, and, 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 you know, I don't know, people have different feelings about arm length and height, but you know, there, there are people who, who look for certain baselines at that position for a tackle. And he, he's built more, you know, in terms of arm length, in terms of overall height, like a center, but he doesn't have the weight per se that you might want at center. He, he you know, from a weight standpoint, he's, he's sort of more like a tackle. So he's, he's got a little bit of this and a little bit of that mixed in his body type. Uh, but he ended up, you know, they ended up moving him to center. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't always pretty, but, um, you know, they they didn't lose 
any games with him in at center until they got to the Titans game. Uh, and, and so, you know, he was able to kind of keep the ship afloat from that standpoint. But it will be interesting uh, to see what happens with Skura. And, um, even if he's not ready week one, uh, I certainly think that he'll, he'll when he is ready, he'll probably regain that starting spot. But that's assuming that he, he fully recovers because sometimes people just don't come back the same from an injury of that severity. I think we we almost just expect these guys to come back from injuries all the time, be the same people they were before. And he really kind of was an ascending player before he got hurt. Um, and But there's no guarantee that they're, they're going to come back and be that same guy. So, you know, hope to see it, you know, uh, wish him the best. And uh, because, again, like I said, he was ascending. So I, I think, you know, I really was kind of happy for where he had come from and, and where, you know, the direction he was headed. So I hope he's able to. Um, so let's move over to defense now. I think we've wrapped up the offense. Um, I think for the defense, as we go through these positions, let's just kind of give off a number that we have for guys in the group, and then we can go through the the, the individual guys. This feels like numbers kind of defense, you know, these groups sort of lend itself um, to, to kind of starting with that context of the number of guys in a group because you, you'll have more individual guys in a group than you will on offense. Um, so the defensive line, I've got five guys. I've got Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, Justin Matabike, and Justin Ellis. I got a feeling I've left off a guy that both of you will have, but let me go to you first, Chris. Who do you have on there? Who, who, how many do you have, and who do you have on the defensive line? Uh, so on the defensive line, I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six guys. I have Brandon Williams. I have Calais Campbell. I have Derek Wolf. Justin Ellis, Justin Matabike, and I have uh, Roderick Washington. Ah, yeah, that's that's who I left off. And I guess we should say here, too, uh, a guy who I feel like we're all going to mention his name, but uh, some people consider him a defensive lineman, some people consider him an offensive linebacker, and that's Jahai Ward, uh, a guy who played both spots for them last year uh, once they brought him into the team. So with him, I don't know if it matters. You know what I mean? Call him a defensive lineman, call him an offensive, uh, uh, an outside linebacker. He's going to play both, and he's going to be on the team. So I don't, I, just because we might not have him in one place and, and have him in another, uh, I don't think that really means a whole lot. Um, to carry, I'll go to you. How many do you have in your defensive line group, and who do you have? Uh, yep. So I had uh, six as well, and it's actually just the same six as uh, Chris has uh, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. Uh, Justin Ellis, uh, Justin Matabike, uh, Brandon Williams, and uh, Roger Washington. I, I thought about maybe five. I know in recent years the Ravens have kind of went kind of light on the defensive line at times, but that that uh, that Justin uh, Matabike kind of injury that that's popped up here in the last couple days. Uh, kind of just sat with me. It doesn't sound like it's going to be too serious. It doesn't sound like it's going to be too long, but if week one is in jeopardy in any kind of way, uh, I'm not sure if the back end of this roster has a, um, you know, roster worthy defense alignment on it. So, you know, I kind of wanted to be a little bit more conservative with it. So I, I, I went with the six. Yeah. And I, I actually, as we discuss it now, I probably didn't place as much weight as I should have on that Mata BK injury because I'm pretty sure Harbaugh said he's he's not 
probably going to be ready for week one. Um, or if he didn't say that specifically, I think he said it was more of a week-to-week injury as opposed to a day-to-day kind of thing. Um, so, you know, take that for, I mean, that could be anything. Could be, could be ready by week one, could, could you know, not be ready by you know, week two or week three. Um, but I probably should have placed a little bit more weight on that in terms of having Washington in there. But I think what I was doing was I was, I was discounting injuries. I was just saying, well, you know, assuming everybody was healthy, who would I have on? But obviously that's not reality. You have, you can't discount the injuries. You have to factor the injuries in. And I know that there's also a risk, uh, with, trying to sneak him through the practice squad. Um, and he's a six-round pick, but he is a defensive lineman. And, you know, people are sort of always looking for defensive linemen. Uh, so there's that risk there. But I, I guess I was, I'm was i banking on one of these other new practice squad rules where you can protect certain guys um, starting on a Tuesday. There's like, uh, I think it's four guys that you can protect every week where after that period on Tuesday, from Tuesday throughout the rest of the week, um, nobody can sign those guys off of your practice squad to their active rosters. So um, who knows how, how teams will use that and you know, who the four guys will be from week to week. But I think I had that in my in the back of my mind a little bit about, well, yeah, there's some risk with putting him on the practice squad, but maybe I'd keep him in that four. Uh, but if you, you know, if you keep him in, that means you're keeping somebody else out and there might be somebody else who you really want to have in that four on a given week. So there, there's risk in it, no matter how you, how you slice it. But I think the other reason I did it, we'll see, this will show up later. Uh, I needed to keep some safeties. And so <laughs> I had to, I had to economize somewhere because there was some guys that I wanted. Um, so we'll move on to outside linebacker. I don't think we're going to have any differences here. Again, like I said, unless it's the Jahai Ward thing, which I kind of already laid out. Uh, so I've got five. Got Matt Judon, Pernell McPhee, Tyus Bowser, Jalen Ferguson, and I do have Ward uh, as an outside linebacker. Chris, who do you have? Um, so I have uh, I have Matt Judon, Tyus Bowser, uh, Jalen Ferguson, Pernell McPhee, and Jahai Ward. There you go. Kerry? Uh, yep, same five, Judon Ward, McPhee, Ferguson, and Bowser. Yeah, so there you go. I don't think there's any any big surprises. All of those guys uh, on the team last year, all the guys played last year, and so I would expect that to be the case again this year. Maybe the snaps get divvied up a little differently. Maybe they sign Jadavian Clowney, and that shakes up the whole thing. We'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, but that that's that's kind of chalky, I think, for all of us uh, with that position. So we'll go to inside linebacker. This might end up being a little chalky, too. Uh, I've got four. I've got Patrick Queen, LJ Fort, Malik Harrison, and Chris Board. Special teams uh, stand out. <laughs> so I had to have him on there. Uh, how many do you have at inside backer, and, and who are your guys, Kevin? So I went back and forth on this one. Tentatively right now, I'm back to four and those same four. Uh, I've kind of went back and forth with um, Arturo Alaka, mm. keeping him as a fifth inside linebacker. But then it's kind of that numbers game with safety that, you know, you you ran into with the defensive line thing. So it's kind of right now I'm at four. You know, tomorrow I might be back at five. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And it's interesting about board because I think if I've got this right, um, I might not be remembering this correctly, but I think going back to last preseason, it it looked like Alaka, at least in the games, might have been outplaying Chris Board a little bit and, and, and maybe, you know, kind of making um, 
making his case to make the roster. But then he got hurt. And I think he ended up on IR um, for the whole year. And, and so who knows how that might have actually shaken out. But now it sounds like this year it's kind of flipped a little bit from, from what you read. Reports that Chris Board has, has looked good and um, maybe Alaka has, has kind of taken a step back a little bit. Um, so I don't know. Who, who knows? But um, I know Chris Board played pretty well for them last year on special teams. And so if you can't tell by now, uh, I'm, I'm going to tend to give the nod to guys who contribute on special teams. Not that Alaka couldn't. I think he did in the, in the preseason last year, and then he probably worked in teams and camp and, and last year and this year too. Um, but we just haven't seen it in games. So that's, that's, that's why I lean that way. Um, Chris, did I ask you about inside linebacker? I don't think I did. You, how many do you have, and, and, and who are your guys? Uh, I got the same four. I have Patrick Queen, uh, LJ Ford, Malik Harrison, and Chris Board. Um, I, I think Board is a guy – that we, we forget about that the team was pretty high on him going into last season. And, uh, you know, he suffered a concussion pretty early. I think in the, uh, I want to say the Browns game, he suffered a concussion and, and that pretty much just, you know, knocked him out. And, and after that, we know what happened where they brought in Josh Bynes and LJ Ford to kind of solidify that position. But, uh, he's a guy, you know, that, believe this is his third year coming in uh he's always been a guy like you said mike always been solid on special teams and uh you know uh, i think he, he he's definitely going to make the squad but like carrie said with, with alaka um he's a guy that that came in and i remember uh jeff uh, zrebra said this uh that if if he would have if uh if uh what's oh my goodness what's his name uh Damn it, I can't remember his name. Oh, Alaka. If he didn't get hurt last year, that he might have been starting, like you said, Mike. So it, that does leave, you know, a little bit of, of uh, a door open for Alaka, but I think ultimately they'll go with Chris Board. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one's going to be interesting for me because I, I feel pretty confident in those, those first three guys um, sort of being roster locks. The fourth guy, you know, even with everything that I said about Chris Board and special teams, I, I'm not real sure um, whether whether it's him or Alaka, even though, you know, I, obviously I lean toward the board, but we'll we'll see. Um, so move on to cornerback. Uh, again, don't expect really any any difference of opinion here. I've got five. I've got Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, Jimmy Smith, who, you know, is probably going to be playing a little bit of a, of a hybrid role in some cases, and Anthony Averett as my fifth. Uh, who, by all accounts, has been having a really good camp. Uh, got dinged up a little bit, uh, I think, over the last couple of weeks. Um, but before that, you know, the reports have been pretty positive about him. So those are my five. Kerry, who do you have at cornerback? How, how many and, and who? Uh, yep, I got the same five. Humphrey, Young, uh, Averitt, um, Peters, and uh, Jimmy Smith. That one, you know, is pretty, pretty chalk there, pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I think they would have kept six. If uh, Biggie Marshall would have stayed healthy, but yeah. you know, when he went down, I you know I just don't really see another uh, you know roster worthy cornerback in camp right now. You know maybe some guys practice squad guys, but you know these are clearly the five that you know they're gonna roll with. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I I thought about six too because you know um, if you're a Ravens fan, if you've been a Ravens fan for any period of time. 
Um, one of the things that you probably have had drilled into your head is you can never have too many cornerbacks. <laughs> and so uh, I, I really thought about going six here. And I did, I, I, like you said, if, if, if Biggie Marshall was healthy, I think he definitely would have been the six probably. Um, but I, I still have some interest in, in Terrell Bonds, uh, a guy who played in the AAF, uh, RIP the AAF, um, and, and, and kind of, you know, did some nice things there. And, you know, from, from training camp reports, it looked like Josh Nurse, you know, a guy who, who kind of made some plays. So um, I, I, I was leaning that way, but, you know, we're, we're going to find out after we finish the cornerback discussion probably why we all had to economize somewhere. Um, let me get you, though, Chris, before we move to safety. Uh, how many corners do you have and, and who do you have? I, I'm, I got the same five as you guys. I got Marlon, I got Marcus Peters, Tavon Young, Jimmy Smith, and Anthony Avery. Okay, all chalk there. Um, No surprise. We'll go to safety. This is the one we kind of have been referencing a lot where we we wanted um, to have some guys here. And and this might be the group where uh, it's definitely the one, the the group that I have the most guys. I have six guys in this group. Um, Well, I guess I had six and wide receiver too. So wide receiver and safety are the, the, the groups that I have the most. So I've got... Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, Co-Cap, Anthony Levine, for those who don't know, Jordan Richards, Nigel Warrior, and Geno Stone. Um, that That's why I, I kind of economized in some other spots, because I really couldn't decide between Nigel Warrior and Geno Stone. If I had to pick, if they said, look, you can only keep one of these guys, I'd probably lean Nigel Warrior, but I really uh, wanted to have both, and uh, so that's why I went with six. Chris, how many guys do you have in safety and who, who do you have? And I just want to let people know before I go that we did not look at each other's spreadsheets <laughs> before this. We did not. We did not. We did not look at it. Um, so I have the same six. Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, Cocap Levine, Geno Stone, Nigel Warrior, and Jordy Richards. Yeah, no, there was, there was no pregame note comparison or anything like that uh that was something that it was it was really even unspoken i don't even think we had to say hey let's not try to look at each other's stuff we just didn't yeah. uh and we just wanted it to kind of be you know unveiled to each of us uh as we went through it uh carrie how many guys do you have in safety and who do you have yeah so i have five so i have chuck clark how dare you no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh anthony levine uh, Deshaun Elliott, Nigel Warrior, and uh, future Hall of Famer Geno Stone. <laughs> you did, you did, my man Jordan Richards dirty. You did his special teams <laughs> extraordinaire, Jordan Richards. You did him dirty, but I understand. I mean, look, uh, we doing this exercise, we all learn how much of a numbers game this is, and you know you can't you can't have everybody everywhere, and so you know you got to go with. I think we all think about it this way, where we try to put ourselves in this frame of mind, the way that, that coaching staff would, is we, we want the best 53. And so that, that means something a little bit different to all of us when you talk about these guys at the at the end of the depth charts. And so that was your that was your best 53. Um, quickly, because I don't want to ignore these guys because they're a part of the 53, but uh, uh, the Wolfpack, kicker, punter, long snapper, Justin Tucker, Sam Cook, Morgan Cox, no differences there, right? No, none at all. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's, Not even that, close. No, that that that's like an automatic. Uh, so we don't really have to even go 
there. Uh, one of the best, you know, groups at what they do uh, in terms of specialists in the league, and, and I expect that to continue, if not the best, uh, definitely one of the best. Um, so we were going to talk a little bit about the practice squad. Um, for, for those who may not know, practice squad size increased uh, this year from 8 to 16. There's some other rules. We've kind of touched on some of it earlier um, in the podcast. You can have more vets on the practice squad uh, this year. I think it's four. You can have four vets. Um, but double check me on that. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't got these rules committed to memory. Uh, so double check me. That's what Google's for. Uh, I, one of my uh, professors in college, GTS, Google that. And you can you can figure out what the S stands for. So um, you guys can do that. Uh, but up to 16, I think you can have four vets. We talked about being able to protect four guys starting at Tuesdays. Um, you can call up. Uh, two guys as opposed to one guy. Um, so, you know, there's there's going to be um, some more, I think, uh, almost game theory type decisions around the practice squad and how you use it and the kind of maneuvers you, you, you uh, employ on a week-to-week basis. So I think it's going to be a little more interesting. But we said we would go around and kind of just highlight like a guy. We're not going to go through all, you know, 16 guys that we might have on our practice squad. Um, but we'll, we'll just go alphabetical. Carrie, okay, I'll go with you. Uh, who's who's a guy or two, you know, if you want to do more than one, uh, that you want to highlight that you have on, on your practice squad? Uh, yeah, my guy is uh, Tyson uh, Williams. Um, he's a guy that's coming off a torn ACL. Uh, he was um, – with the Ravens, were reported to be with the Ravens kind of earlier in the offseason. Uh, didn't make it to the 80-man roster, and and I'm guessing that had to do with him just trying to come along health-wise. Uh, they brought him back recently, and, you know, he's been getting good reports. Um, supposedly looked pretty good in the, um, the, the recent scrimmage. And uh, he's just a good-looking um, guy, man. I think he's a guy that's going to give you some value down the line. Um, you know, Gus Edwards is, you know, a guy they won't be able to keep forever. You know, Mark, Mark uh, Ingram is, you know, in in his 30s now and, you know, probably won't be with the Ravens, you know, two years from now. Um, so this is another guy that can kind of, you know, they can bring along in that pipeline. Um, you know, just a strong runner, physical guy, like his vision, uh feel like he has some upside as far as his pass pro and ability to catch out of the backfield. And the guy is six foot and 220. So, you know, he's going to fit right in here as a, a downhill physical runner. Uh, but he's just not limited to that. He has some ability to um, do some things on third down as well. So he's a guy I think, uh, you know, should be a priority guy as that uh, basically the fifth running back on the roster. And, you know, Lord forbid, if injuries arise, I think he's a guy that you can plug in and get some production from. Yeah, and he's he's also, in addition to everything that you said about him, that, that makes him seem like a really good fit here for what they want to do. Uh, he's also a guy that the uh, honorary fourth member of the podcast, Matt Waltman, is a fan of and, and wrote up. So uh, definitely encourage you to go out uh, on Twitter and, and, you know, go to, go to Matt's handle and um, you should be able to just scroll through and see 
um, you know, his, his, his breakdown on Tyson yeah. Williams. So yeah, if you, if you check my feed, I've retweeted uh, a couple of times, uh, you know, some of the work he's done on him and he's a big fan of his. So uh, if any, if anybody says anything about a player, if it's Matt Wallman, I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the man loves running backs and uh, I mean that that's obviously he, he, he breaks down um, all of the offensive skill positions from a fantasy perspective and just, regular pure football analysis perspective but his, his wheelhouse is running backs uh and so you know when he he highlights a running back i think we all sit up and kind of pay attention um let me come to you chris Who, who's a guy or two on your practice squad that you want to highlight uh, so I'm, I'm gonna go with two um first one is gonna be uh john daca from uh, uh james madison uh outside linebacker uh, he's a guy that's you know really really explosive and um Someone that that I think he has a, a skill set that isn't really on the Ravens roster right now, which is just a guy that can get upfield, you know, in a flash. And uh, I, I feel like he he definitely needs a redshirt year where he could spend on the on the on the uh, practice squad and put up a, put some more weight on because he's a bit undersized. And uh, I think definitely a year in a weight room in an NFL program would definitely do him some good and and hopefully. Now, he's a guy that could come back next year and and can make some noise and and earn a spot on the on the 53 man man roster. And then the the other guy I wanted to talk about was someone that we spoke about earlier, uh, tight end Eli Wolf. Um, now he's a guy that you know we said that we feel like maybe if he was healthy he probably would push for for earning a spot on the 53 man roster. But like we said, he got hurt, and uh, from all indications. So he was putting together a good camp, but uh, if this injury is anything, they might want to sneak him onto the practice squad and you know just you know hide him there for a little bit. And like Mike said, they they could protect him from getting snatched up from any other team. So uh, that's that's my second guy, Eli Wolf. Okay, I'm gonna go with two guys. Two. Well, I was only gonna go with one, but since you did two, I'm gonna do two. Um, first guy uh for me was Broderick Washington Jr. and I'm only talking about I know you guys have him on your your 53s I'm going to talk about him just because I don't um guy out of Texas Tech that I think um you know maybe maybe played a little bit about a little bit out of position at Texas Tech just in terms of what they asked him to do in their defense I I don't think the Ravens uh are going to ask him to to play on the edge kind of like he did he kind of played it like five technique uh, in that Texas Tech sort of three four or three three, I'm not sure what they what they had at the linebacker position. I think it was a three three, but definitely you know kind of primarily a three down front. And I really don't think that's his wheelhouse. I really think you want to see him on the interior, either at a three technique or just you know head up or inside shade on a guard or or maybe even at a one technique, you know, kind of on the on the outside shade of a center. I really think that's where you could see um, some of the things that he uh, does well really come through because what really stood out for me with him was uh, the senior ball. You know, I, I admit I, I hadn't really paid close attention to him at Texas Tech, but uh, really kind of flashed to me at the senior bowl. Um, and just, you know, one thing that really caught my eye was just his hands. You know, he played, he had like heavy hands, right? You'd see him hit guys and punch guys and, and see them kind of jolt back and, it really was just something that small at the senior bowl. It really made me go back and say, Hey, let me watch some of this guy's Texas tech tape and, 
And I kind of saw the same thing when he was lined up at those interior positions. Um, you know, you, you saw him able to, to generate pressure, get knocked back uh, on guys, get into the backfield. So um, I think there's there's something there, uh, certainly in terms of ability to develop. I'm not sure if he's ready to contribute in, in a significant way early on. Um I still think there's there's some development that needs to place that needs to take place first, uh, but I like the ability, uh, and so that's why I kind of wanted to highlight him. And the other guy I mentioned him when I talked about corners about wanting to have him potentially in the group, but I, I left him out. And that's Terrell Bonds. Um, for those of you who remember uh, the AAF uh, <laughs> before it went defunct, uh, he played with the Memphis Express uh, eight games with them as a corner and he, he, he's a small guy. He's, he's basically like five, nine, I want to say right around 175 pounds. So he kind of fits the profile of that slot corner, um, which is something that when you look at the cornerback group, uh, obviously you're, you're excited to have Tavon Young back. Uh, one of the, one of the better young slot cornerbacks in the, uh, in the league, but in the rest of that group, I don't really know if they have another kind of natural slot corner. We know Marlon played there a lot last year out of necessity, and, and acquitted himself well, so I suppose you know you could you could have have him do that again if if need be, uh, and then bump Jimmy back outside. But um, I'd like to see another young sort of de- developmental uh, slot corner. Maybe that's Averett, uh, even though I, I think just my opinion watching Averett's game, I think he's a little more comfortable outside. But um, Terrell Bonds was the guy, like I said, eight games with the Express, twelve solo tackles, one tackle for loss, five uh, passes defensed. So pretty active for, for a, a smaller guy um, uh, at corner in those eight games. And um, also a Tennessee State Tiger. Uh, you guys might know who else on the Ravens roster was from Tennessee State, uh, Anthony Levine. So um, you, got, you got a little bit of a connection there with some guys coming from Tennessee State who have had to kind of, you know, scrap and claw their way. Uh, for a roster spot, and, and obviously Levine has done that, uh, and, and maybe maybe Terrell Bonds can can follow a similar path, even even at a different position. So, those are my two guys, um, and I guess that's it. We've gone through the 53. We talked a little bit about the practice squad. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just you know touch base with each one of you guys. Just kind of any any other thoughts that uh, around the roster that that maybe we didn't touch on. Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Um, just you know, kind of open open book kind of thing. Anything around the roster, or particular players, or just construction. Any you know, any any thoughts that you have? Um, I think it definitely goes back to the uh, to the offensive line um, because you know, I like you said with the whole Skura situation, we could see them keep extra guys on just for that, and, and it's. It's just it's there's too much in flux right now when it comes to Skura. So I could definitely see them keeping a guy like Ben Powers around, and you know just making sure that the line is is more solidified and and that they can go, you know, into a, a deep rotation of guys if if they have to because you, you just never know with the offensive line sometimes. So I I feel like them having a lot of guys on the offensive line would definitely be you know and in their best interest with, with Skura's health, health questions right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I agree with that. I think there's, there's maybe a little more uncertainty um, around the offensive line kind of going into the season this year. Um, 
you know, last year, I guess there was a little bit around left guard. You know, you really weren't sure who was going to win that position. But overall, you know, you felt pretty comfortable about the rest of the line. Whereas this year, I mean, obviously you feel comfortable with your tackles. And I think we talked about Bradley Bozeman, who we feel pretty comfortable there. But um, center and right guard are, are a little bit unknown right now, just because, you know, like you mentioned, if Skrull was healthy, it, it, would, it would not be a discussion, really. It'd be a but, slam dunk. Yeah, but he's not. And so you don't know. And then right guard, of course, you're re- you're replacing, you know, or trying. You can't replace, but you have to fill his spot. Uh, <laughs> Marshall Yonda, who, in my opinion, it should be a, a Hall of Famer, uh, one of the best guards uh, in the in the game. So, um, you know, that that's obviously big, you know, very big shoes to fill. And so they have to attempt to do that. And um, that we all know how how important that unit is um, to to all football teams. But I think particularly to to football teams who like to run the ball as much as the Ravens do. So um, really will be interesting to see how that that uh, plays out as we start the season. Kerry, um, any kind of overarching thoughts from you uh, about the roster? Uh, yeah, just uh, first, just from a roster standpoint and kind of coming back to running back. And I, I thought about something when you, um, you know, asked how many running backs would be active and it got me to thinking if we expect this team to be, you know, as good as they were last year or close to it, um, you know, and ahead in the third and fourth quarter in these games, um, it makes me think more and more that you'll see four running backs active. um, If nothing more than to preserve a guy like Mark Ingram, you know, the, if we get to the fourth quarter and, the, you know, the game is in hand, uh, why not have Gus Edwards kind of run the clock down and kind of salt these games away and, you know, do some of those things and, you know, maybe get Justice Hill some work. I think uh, J.K. Dobbins is a guy that um, because of just how explosive he is, um uh, I kind of lean more towards him, even though he's so young, being a guy that maybe you preserve as well um, in those situations, uh, just because he can be such a threat. Uh, You know, we saw a lot of plays last year where Martin Ingram, you know, or Gus Edwards, you know, breaks off a a 20, 25 yard run, uh, you know, a play that's, you know, blocked up really nice. The edges are kind of trying to, um, account for Lamar and, you know, they find that crease and they, you know, make a play. Well, J.K. Dobbins is a guy that can take that same crease and make that a 50-yard, um, you know, touchdown. So I, I think he's a guy that, you know, obviously you want to get him work and you want to have him involved. But, you know, when it comes down to fourth quarter and kind of, you know, salting games away, maybe that's something that, that they lean more towards Gus doing, and then maybe they look to, you know, get Justice Hill some work and kind of preserve guys like Mark Ingram and, and uh, J.K. Dobbins because those are guys that, uh, you know, have that ability to make big plays and then also um, have ability in the pass game as well. Uh, so from a roster standpoint, just thinking about that, and then um, overall just – you know, anxious to kind of see these guys out on the field. You know, we didn't get any preseason, so we don't have anything to go off of as far as um, what kind of packages um, we're looking at and, you know, 
who they want to highlight on on both sides of the ball. You know, we we don't know, um, you know, the 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 dime package was something that was was utilized a lot and last year and this year with the kind of changes with Earl being gone and um, Brandon Carr and that um, being around and those kind of things, we don't know if that dime is going to be um, as heavy as it was last year. And now, you know, they added a few more linebackers to the mix. So, you know, how does that play? So just, just anxious, man, just a lot uh, of uncertain. Well, I wouldn't say uncertainty, just a lot that, we don't we're not privy to so you know just ready ready to kind of see you know what kind of plans they have for this team for for um this coming year yeah i'm right there with you just that that's part of um you know obviously just just seeing football again is exciting just in general but then when you you get into scheme and and, and personnel usage you know, you really can start to dig in and, and get an understanding of how they're going to how they're going to do all those different things. You know, for football nerds like me, we love that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that part of it. And just to touch on the point that you made about the running backs, um, because you hear that a lot. Right. You, you, you hear people talk about, well, can they can they really have five uh you know, people want to throw Lamar in there because of how much he ran. But can they can they have four running backs and a quarterback? Uh, who who runs you know as, as frequently as Lamar did last year and I'm thinking well yeah I mean they ran the ball almost 600 times last year um, Lamar had 176 carries so you bring in Dobbins into that group now and you say okay we want to have four guys active in that group you got to think that they probably want to dial back some of Lamar's carries um, ideally and so you're talking about 176 carries uh, from last year um, that that could be redistributed, you know, because I don't you never know how the games are going to go, um, you know, from year to year. And obviously they were in a lot of positive game scripts last year where they they were able to really run out the clock and, and kind of rack up the rush attempts. And you don't know if it's going to go that way again. But assuming it does, um, there are going to be plenty of carries to go around and we could even see them go over over 600. I mean, they set the record last year in rush attempts, and we can see them reset it again this year. Uh, so I, I, that that part of it has never been like confusing to me. I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that, like, well, they can't run it that much again, can they? I'm like, yeah, they could, and they could do it more. Um, so yeah, I, because they play fast. You know, they're not the average team that just you know wants to slow the game down and you know limit possessions and do all these things. I mean. Yeah, they want to run and they want to control things, but they're they're playing fast at the same time. So, you know, there's 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 going to be a lot of opportunities for, you know, a lot of different guys to get word. Yeah, I don't I don't have it up in front of me, but uh, I know people in the fantasy community uh, obviously pay attention to pace stats to to the point that you're making about how fast uh, that they play. And I want to say the Ravens were up near the top of the league in pace last year. So you're talking about plays per game, uh, plays uh, I, in, just in terms of time, you know, how how much time accrues uh, in between snaps, you know, how, how frequently are they are they snapping the ball? And like I said, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but something tells me 
they were up there and it kind of surprised me actually i think when i saw it because i i you know I, I was trying to find a way to keep you from taking all my money and so i was <laughs> like man I gotta, I gotta do some more research or or something you know i gotta i gotta figure out something so i said well, let me let me look at this pace stuff and see if i can maybe find you know an edge in here somewhere uh where i can try to hold on to some of this money that chris and carrie keep trying to take from me every week um and i i want to say that if they were not top five they were they were top 10 i want to say in pace so it, it almost seems a little counterintuitive when you think about them as a team who wants to run the ball. And like you said, you know, sort of the traditional way you think about that is well, teams who want to run the ball like that are going to, you know, they want to kill the clock. You know, they don't, they don't want to run off a whole lot of plays, um, you know, quickly. But I, I really don't think that was the case with them. I really think that they, they, uh, they actually had pretty good pace. Yeah, I'm looking now. I think they were top five. No, no less than top 10. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, um, there are going to be plenty of plays available. Um, It's, again, assuming game strip kind of game script goes in their favor the way it did last year. There's going to be plenty of options. It should. It it definitely should, too, because when you look at their defense, their defense is it. I mean, I know it's just on paper, but they look even better than they did last year. So the, the defense is going to be a problem for offenses, too. And you know what that leads to? That that leads to the offense being able to run the ball more with with the lead and milking out the clock. And, you know, there are going to be a lot more opportunities there to, to, to bleed that clock out and, and, and you know, play from with a lead. Yeah, it looks like they were they were first in plays per drive at almost seven plays per drive. Um, now that's not time. That's just how often, you know, how, how many plays they're running out there. But I'm looking at all these pace stats now. And, yeah, they're, they're, if they're not, you know, leading, if they're not number one, they're, they're definitely top five in all of these. So um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting combination of things in that they want to be a physical power running team, but they also want to run a lot of plays. Um, so it's 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 like the perfect storm, right? When you look at it like that, like what well, you would want as many running backs as you could possibly have, um, you know, when you want to play the way that they want to play. So that that's not something that I see uh, as something to struggle with. That's one of those good problems to have that you hear coaches talking about. So uh, I'm comfortable with that. But I guess that's that's the place where we can kind of wrap it for this show, because we, we've, we've kind of covered everything from the roster standpoint. Uh, we'll, we, like I said, we all have this captured uh, on a spreadsheet, so we'll be able to kind of compare uh, after cut down day on Saturday and, and see how close we were, or if any of us, you know, actually nailed it. You know, you never know. Um, but we're also probably going to have a season preview show. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll try to get that out next week before um, the actual games on Thursday night. We'll try. You can't promise anything, but we'll try. <laughs> we'll try to get that out because I think we have some other things, uh, some other topics, some, some some pretty interesting things that Carrie put together uh, for us to kind of try to talk about. Just previewing the Ravens' season, not not so much uh, focusing on roster and personnel per se, even though I think there will be some of that. Um, but you know, kind of more you know themes and, and projections and predictions about how we think things are going to go. So. Um, we'll try to get that one out 
next week. And if you haven't noticed, I mean, yeah, we took some time off, but man, we, we've been doing like two episodes a week here uh, for like the last two going into three weeks. So two parters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been doubling up. So we've been trying to make up for lost time and ramping up for the season, just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, have a lot of, a lot of stuff uh, kind of in the hopper, just in terms of ideas and, 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 and things that we want to talk about and discuss on the show. And um, just one thing I'll throw in before, before we go is uh, I'm really excited about having a regular fantasy segment uh, on the show. Uh, I know that's something we've talked about and, uh, I really think that that's a great idea and something that we want to try to incorporate into every show. Uh, for those of you thinking, well, you already talked for a damn hour now. How long is it going to be with a with a fantasy segment in there? Don't don't you worry about that, right? That that's this is on demand content. You can stop it and pick it up right where you left off uh, if you can't finish it all at one time for whatever reason. So don't don't you even worry about that. Just just you know keep listening, keep subscribing, keep downloading. Because uh, we're going to keep putting out good stuff and good information. And shoot, you want to listen to what Carrie and Chris have to say about this stuff. They're going to win you some money. Trust me, I'm, this is coming from somebody who has lost money. So if I tell you, you need to listen uh, to the fantasy information these guys are providing because it's going to help you win money. I'm speaking as a victim. This is, you know, <laughs> this is this is this is not hypothetical. I have been victimized in a fantasy way by these guys. <laughs> that, that just sounds weird now. In fantasy football, uh, let's let's just leave it there. You know what? Uh, that's probably a perfect place to wrap it because that just got really weird right there. So for, for, uh, for Gary and for Chris, this is Mike. We'll catch y'all next time.